0: Ho ho ho
1: Willkommen, bienvenue, konnichiwa. It's time for the Armish Inquisition yet again. Episode 1... Oh, Episode 169.
0: Execute order
2: 69,
1: dude. On uh, Sunday the 31st of January, I'm Amish Phil. I'm Amish
3: Ben. And I'm Amish Matt. The Dwarf, the Cripple, and the Mother of
1: Madness. And uh, tonight we've got Anthony Hoyes from the metal band Wurzug coming at us from... Oh, yeah, how are you doing, mate? How's it going?
4: I'm ah, not too bad. How are you guys? Not bad. Oh, not bad, bad for
1: a diary, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> you're uh, you're just on your way home, aren't you?
4: Yeah, I'm out with the family doing stuff. They're ready to uh, actually, they're taking a vacation across the country. I'm staying home, but. Uh,
5: oh, you just got going that- out,
4: and eating stuff and visiting a bit before they leave. Right. Right.
1: Whereabouts in the states are you?
4: I am in Phoenix, Arizona. Right, hot. Uh, Yeah, pretty warm. I mean, right now this is our our cold time of year, but uh, you know it's cold but, you know sixty degrees. Nice, Yeah, we could do without. We've
1: got we've got a bit of snow knocking about here. Yeah, Um, we hooked up on um, YouTube. You sent us a. Well, it's an email thing. Was it the um, Was it David Weiss? Um, yeah, David
4: Weiss. That- I'm a I'm a fan of David's. I've got his uh, got his app. Yeah. I'm a flat Earth enthusiast. Um, David's one of the uh, the guys that you know. I watch all of his content, and uh, he's definitely a, a good guy for uh, you know flat Earth movement. He's a very handy app he's built.
1: How long have you been uh, following him and flat Earth in general?
4: Um, in general, um, about two years for flat earth. Um, you know, I'm a musician and before that I worked as a, uh, I ran a legal department for a fortune 500 financial company. So, I mean, I was, uh, it's pretty busy and didn't really take time to think about any of the stuff that I was ever taught or learned about until, uh, you know, I stopped doing that job and, I retired, uh, so I'm just doing music now pretty much full-time, and I've got this, uh, you know, I've had nothing but time on my hands, so I really looked into it. I was going to go back to school and was going to get a degree in physics and all that nonsense and didn't do that because, you know, it pretty much came down to the there is no physics and the Earth is flat, so it's all <laughs> lies anyway.
1: Yeah, gravity's sort of out the window, isn't it, and on the flat Earth model? Crap.
4: Is is you know, it's it's funny, I comment with my buddies all the time. This is one of the uh you know, I I feel silly having believed, you know, the, the heliocentric stuff for so long, never looking at it, and then as soon as you look at it, I mean it, it doesn't hold up at all. But yeah, gravity is uh, you know, I was I was always into the electric universe theory and into Tesla stuff, but uh you know, once I started really getting into Tesla, he he figured out what gravity was back in I think it was 1891, and then he shelved it until right before he died. He started talking about it again. He died, like, right before he was supposed to come out with this big announcement on what gravity actually was. And, yeah, I think that was, you know, probably when they probably killed him. But, you know, you... who knows? Who knows?
1: Yeah, the Electric Universe is an interesting one. It's, um, it's an Australian chap who's one of the pioneers behind it. I can't remember his name because... I know he's on our hit list to hopefully get on one day, but um, does does doesn't the electric universe model? Isn't that still heliocentric?
4: Uh, not so much. I mean, uh, you can you can probably use it for that. I'm, I'm more of the electric universe in terms of what uh, you know gravity is, electricity, buoyancy, density. Um, you know, I learned about electricity essentially being you know one of the only forces and they tell you gravity is a force but it's not um you know when you ask them what it is they can't tell you but you know electricity and magnetism those are forces you know what they are uh you can you know test them you can repeat them and then you know when you you find out you know density and buoyancy i used to hear that all the time thought it was nonsense till i actually found found out what it was and it makes perfect sense now you know that's why helium floats and you know So on and so forth. You know, balloons will float up when you, you know, let it go. Helium and air, it doesn't. You do half air, half helium, the balloon will stand still in the air. That tells you it's right there. It's density and buoyancy.
1: What's the the standard explanation?
4: Standard explanation of the uh, gravity?
1: Like the helium balloon, I mean.
4: Oh, they don't say that. I mean, I've never had anybody give me a. You know, a real explanation other than the gravity is keeping it from floating up. I mean, gravity. Then that's that's always the catch-all word, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a weird one,
1: gravity, because it seems to me, and I'm an idiot, complete idiot, but as far as I know, gravity is one of those things where the, the standard model, anyway, where I'm what I'm talking about is that it's one of those things where you sort of witness the effects of it rather than it being something that you can measure like you could with electricity the way you can measure voltage you can measure amperage and you can measure exactly. frequency but it is it is a weird one isn't it gravity
4: it's it's just one of those things like you you hear it and uh you know the the kids here getting in the car they all believe in gravity too <laughs> but they don't know any better yet and i try to tell them and you know they only know what they've been told in school so yeah it's I was sure. one of those things. But yeah, it's it's one of those things you, you don't know what it is. And then it, I think Dave used it with you guys with the. Uh, he said the dark dollars business about you know I'm going to give you ninety six dark dollars, but you know what a dollar is, so you know it's there.
1: Right. So well, yeah, dark matter.
4: That's a perfect analogy. I think.
1: Yeah, I've you know I've I've wondered whether dark matter and dark energy are just sort of being used to explain something that they don't really understand and it's just sort of a convenient thing they use because they don't really know what they're talking about.
4: (laughs) Well when I I remember um, you know when I was going to school um, you know I have three degrees from college I mean they're not in science I'll you know go ahead and say that but you know I was always a business person so I was you know I did business stuff but you know, you still have to to listen, and you know, I listened to it, and it, it didn't make any sense when they told me then. But you know, even even dark matter that wasn't a thing. You know, when I was in high school, they didn't talk about that back then. Uh, that was a relatively new thing. And then that's that's sort of the funny thing is, you know, every 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 day you see this new article on science, you see a new space thing, and it's constantly a contradiction to what you know they've previously said you know years gone by or you know now they're saying that the moon has you know earth atmosphere and that there's you know technically oxygen up there the moon really and it's it's nonsense they they say these things all the time and it's they change it constantly to where you know you don't know what to believe you say one thing it's outdated, you know, You know, in a week. So, you know, you never know. But, yeah, the last thing I saw, they were saying that there's dinosaur bones on the moon and that, uh, yeah, that's funny. They say that you can find fossils on the moon of dinosaurs and that uh, basically there's atmosphere up there and that there's oxygen, very trace amounts, and that there's water on the moon underneath the uh, the dust.
1: Who's, who's saying this? Scientists, or
4: I fucking love science. You know, science.com. There's all these websites that have this nonsense. You know, every every day. Really? Um, you know, I have I have an iPhone, so every day I have Apple News that I check, and it's it's always some some story. God. Wow. And Damn I just water. laugh it out with my buddies. You know, we all we all take turns saying, "Oh yeah, this is this is great because you know, so basically proving our points for us." We say this is. You know what the universe is. Then next thing you know, they're saying, "Oh well, maybe there's, you know, uh, bubbles in space." And you know, for a long time they said that wasn't happening. But now there's bubbles in space, and that causes cavitation and sonoluminescence, and you know that could be what stars are. Who knows? I don't know what any of this stuff is. I think it's all water up there. Yeah.
1: Just to go okay, back, with,
5: um, sorry, with dinosaurs on the moon, isn't that that's Peter Brannan, isn't it? And he's he's conjecture that the uh, asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs 65 million years ago, according to the um, generic story, um, yeah. actually forced the debris from that forced you know lots of stuff from Earth onto the moon, including potentially dinosaur bones uh, and bits of dead dinosaur. <laughs> that have ended up on the moon. But you'd think that um, they'd be quite well preserved on the moon and not necessarily would go through the same sort of macro, microbial, um, you know, effect that they'd have here. And you might actually have bones. You'd have actual bits of dinosaur flesh covered
1: in dust.
4: Well, you would think, I mean, if there's, there's no oxygen to eat away at it or something, it would be perfectly preserved.
1: That seems pretty impl- implausible to me, that when the meteor struck 65 million years ago, that debris that survived was ejected up, escaped Earth's gravity and Earth's atmosphere and then was sucked up by the moon and got ditched on the moon. That sounds...
5: On like a <laughs> one-week
1: journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, what's he called, Ben? Peter Bogdanovich? Peter Brennan. Brennan. Yeah, we'll put him on the hit list.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, It's wild. <clears throat> yeah, I've heard of uh, water
6: ice being on the moon because that's the whole idea about making um, a moon base, isn't it? Because you can make, we well, can get oxygen and hydrogen from water, obviously. And hydrogen's fuel, isn't it? Potentially, and uh, oxygen to breathe. That's the idea, isn't it? But I don't know how or why water ice is on the moon.
1: Well, the standard explanation would probably be something like panspermia, wouldn't it? That that Maybe. these dusty, uh, what do they call them, like um, uh, comets. muddy, comets. muddy, yeah, dirt balls, <laughs> these dirty snowballs, comets of, yeah. um, you know, deposited water on the moon. Uh,
4: yeah, know. I've always heard asteroids and comets are the reason why there's water up there.
1: Yeah, yeah. The-
4: you know, I, I- I'm also one of those people. I don't believe the moon is a a physical object either, so I don't. I don't think you can actually land on it or asteroids or anything and strike it. I mean, but what do I know? I'm a death metal singer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The thing I was going to ask you, Anthony, when I think of like the sort of conspiracy pyramid, like flat Earth is usually up there somewhere at the top pinnacle. Yeah, yeah. Did you? Did you have like a, a route? Did you have a, a like a red pill moment, and then you started looking at I don't know 9-11 and then work your way up to flat earth, or did you just see one of David's videos and think wow, and you started at the top and, and you're working down or what?
4: <laughs> I know I was always into conspiracies, but like I said, I was uh, I was in the financial system a lot, so the stuff that I mostly dealt with was the Federal Reserve and you no know, stock market, and you know I was I was real i am I'm, I'm really against all that stuff, and it's right now it's really playing out with market manipulation. You can see that you know you don't have, they're not even trying to hide it anymore um yeah, this is the the ready
5: and uh, gamestop thing that's been happening over the last week, or so hasn't it there's been a lot of um yeah
4: and 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 i don't I don't trust that for a second. they're also you know just real quick um you know they're saying that the silver market's going to be the next thing that people are going after all the, the bitcoin people are talking about uh you buy digital silver and then you turn it into the bank or the brokerage house and you demand payment back in physical silver and they don't have that to give you. So at that point that's going to drive the price up um, because it makes it look like it's a scarcity when in reality it may not be, but because they don't have it, they can't pay you out the price is going to jump up. And that's how they're talking about manipulating the silver market. That's also going to go up on gold. Uh, So if you have silver and gold in the next few months, could be a good idea but don't stay in it too long I'd say
1: this is um, is this part of the fractional reserve system this this silver uh, manipulation it's
4: fractional reserve system but at the same time it's that's just your you know market manipulation but uh, you know I don't know if you're familiar with how the stock market works you know at least here in the United States everything goes through a clearinghouse. you have to basically you have to give up I believe it's something like nine tenths possession of your company in order to be listed on the clearinghouse. So the stock that's on there, it's it's basically like the 10 percent of stock that's left. And it's not class A stock. It's not a stock. It's nonsense. But that's what we you know make our, our economy based off of. The rest of the money goes to uh, it's it's CEDE and company is the name of the company that owned it all. Um, they're they're one of the clearing houses they're the DTCC uh, that all goes back to it's conspiracy theory they say but it goes back to uh, you know the Pacer Family Trust um, which basically French royalty came to the United States and they basically ruled the, the world pretty much um, yeah I was always into to Federal Reserve stuff and conspiracy stuff 9-11 um the Challenger thing was a big one for me because that was when I was... JFK movie, All the Stone did. Um, 9-11, I was actually a George Bush fan, but, uh, you know, once he, I figured out he had roles in 9-11, I wasn't too keen on him.
1: What do you think his role was? Because... You know the the sort of the way George Bush was portrayed in this country, at least, is that he was essentially incompetent. He's a puppet, yeah, uh, yeah, and a puppet. He was, he was
4: portrayed the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, I I I think Dick Cheney was charged. Yeah. I don't think that uh that Bush Junior was was uh, the captain of that ship. I think it was Cheney. And I think he surrounded himself with people that would do what he wanted him to do. And um, what's the, that movie Vice, uh, also an Oliver <laughs> Stone film, uh, I think did a pretty good portrayal of, of the deal that they struck with George Bush to, to get Dick Cheney in there as VP.
1: Yeah, and uh, Rumsfeld was one of the big figures around that time as well, wasn't he?
4: Yeah, Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney, uh, you know, they they got uh, Dick Cheney started, Rumsfeld did, in politics. And they just surround themselves with old friends and yes men. And, uh, you know, they went for that unitary government thing. And that's that's sort of what they were trying to hope for. And it's pretty much, you know, been in place since then.
1: What's what's that? Sorry, the unitary government.
4: Uh, it was a unitary um, executive, basically. So, Essentially, uh, the president didn't have to uh, go to Congress to declare war. They can, uh, you know, do the fights. Uh, they don't have to uh, get permission to go in there and rebuild. They didn't have to do um, – uh, essentially, it means anything that the U.S. government does on the president's orders is completely legal because the president cannot break the law. So that's their way around war crimes,
1: Right, so like a, a mechanism to get around the separation of powers between the executive and yeah, the legislature. They,
4: they, they controlled at the time the, uh, the presidency, the House, and the Senate. I think the only thing they didn't have was the ju- judiciary, judiciary, but you know, you're know, you not supposed to control that here in this country anyway, even though it is. <laughs> no. No.
1: I mean, anyone looking at so Dick Cheney's ties with Halliburton, for example is, is going to look at that and, and how the contracts were handed out, in the aftermath, at least, of nine eleven. And I never understood why they invaded Iraq after
4: 9-11. Well, that was the whole, uh, you know, Wesley Clark, uh, General Wesley Clark said that he was in the Pentagon, and they told him, you know, right after 9-11, we're going to invade Iraq. And they told him, you know, straight up, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go on these seven countries. It was in the, uh, the Project for a New American Century document that Cheney and Rumsfeld wrote uh, with the Trilateral Commission, the CFR. Uh, they admitted all that stuff in writing, saying we're going to do this. This is, you know, These are the, com- the countries we're going to go after. We want their oil. We want their governments. And uh, they're basically overthrown all of them. I think Syria and Iran are the only ones left, and uh, North Korea. But I don't even know, you know. For all I know, North Korea is not real.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say, David, I, I, but David, I
4: know, I know people who have been there. I'm not saying it's not real, but I, I don't know what's really going on. over There's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. I've seen that clip of um, Wesley Clark. Uh, it was a famous interview that's been clipped and shared around social media where he says, uh, Oh, it's worse than that. <laughs> you know, I got yeah. a li- I've got just got a list from upstairs and uh, he, re- he rattles off the half a dozen countries. So were, we're next on the list and uh, I mean it's nothing new I've um, I don't know one of my favourite books that sort of one of the books that sort of red-pilled me was um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman yeah I don't know if you're familiar with it um, but that's it's sort of the same story basically but all cent- all sort of um, centralised around um, Central and South America and, and sort of US meddling with reg- regime change and um influencing foreign countries through different methods it says yeah i
4: was into the the zeitgeist stuff when all that stuff was first coming out and um they did a uh one of those movies had uh the guy who wrote that book on there he was talking about being an economic kickman um that essentially described what george soros is only he does it you know not in latin american countries And then people still act like he's, you know, a good guy and he's not doing those things.
1: (laughs) He did it in this country.
4: Completely, yeah. He did it. I know he did it in the UK. Uh, He's famous for doing it there. Um, You know, he definitely did it here. He owns the DAs here, he owns all the, uh, you know, the the low level politician, local people. Um, You know, there's crime going around all over the place here. Um, You know, I don't know how it is, you know, where you're at, but right now they're talking about you know, actually arresting people and putting them in prison for not wearing masks now. And, you know, criminals are being released from prison because coronavirus (laughs) is so bad in the prison, so they say. It doesn't make any kind of sense.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's
6: getting a bit like that, isn't it, over here? It's sort of, um, it's more for, like, gatherings and stuff, isn't it? £10,000 fines for everybody at a gathering, I think, has been discussed for something ridiculous.
1: Currently, if you organise a gathering, mm. or a protest, or a party, or a wedding, the organisers get fined ten grand, and the wow. par- and the participants, I think it's two hundred pound for a first offence, and then it doubles, mm. I think, roughly each time if you continue to uh, uh, disobey the rules. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, they are talking about um, uh, bringing in stricter things i mean i i we um we did like a big round table swapcast last week and um Jamie Ike was on the david Icke's son and he r- rose um brought up a really good point for me about individual responsibility and people need to decide where their l- line is in the sand that they won't cross regarding all this stuff and I can sympathize really because us here in the West, um, particularly the UK and, and the US, you know, we've had quite a sheltered life the last few decades. It's not like we have a living memory of living in a com- under a communist regime or a fascist regime, and we've sort of gotten lazy and taken our rights for uh, granted. And so it's it's caught a lot of people on the hop, the way our rights have just been stripped away from us you know, over the last year. And I thought he raised a good point in that you've got to sort of, you need to wake up to what's happening and decide where your line's going to be. Um, he said to you, Ben, didn't he, if, if, if they come out tomorrow and say, it turns out the, the virus, it, it only circulates above two feet off the ground, you know, are you going to crawl around on your belly? <laughs> where,
4: yeah, where do you draw
1: the line? Where's your line? And people need to decide, I think. Yeah.
4: I, I completely agree with you thankfully you know in arizona we have a pretty open state um, it's one of the few states that isn't completely caught up in all the the nonsense but to a point it is i mean they don't uh they don't scream at you for not wearing a mask so much here but um you know they'll they, they, they believe it here especially the news is on non saying that this is the the worst state for deaths and that, uh, the UK version of coronavirus is here in the state. All these people are dying now. And it's, it's still nonsense. You can go on the CDC website and see the actual for each County and see, you know, how many beds are full and it's nowhere near what the news is reporting. So it's all lies. You know, uh, I learned early on from, you know, I, I have a team of doctors. I, I'm, I have a uh, kidney failure. So I have stage in, in stage kidney failure. So I'm one of those sick people who should be dead right now, but I go out maskless. I don't, uh, social distance. Um, I don't do any of these things and I'm not sick at all. And I'm around sick people constantly. Uh, we go on vacation. We went to Vegas, you know, during all of this stuff, uh, you know, all this stuff was going on and, and, you know, nothing happened to me. And nothing has happened to me. Um, you know, two of the kids had had a coronavirus early on. And it was essentially, a you know, they, they had a cold. They had yeah. the flu. That was it. They were fine. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's nonsense. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And then you see all this great reset nonsense. You see, <laughs> you know, they've been talking about it for decades now. You know, I've I've been an Alex Jones listener for years, and he's been talking about it. He cites white papers, he cites books that these people write, and you go and you read it, and you see it right there. We're going to do this. You know, twenty years later, they're doing it, and it's not them; it's their kids doing it most of the time. But you know, they're still doing it.
1: Yeah, it was uh, the World Economic Forum this
4: week. Yeah, you have you have to draw a line in the sand. You say this is what I'm not going to do, and you have to just you know live with it. And you know, I, I was I was sort of I, I liked early on what they were saying about the coronavirus. This is like back in May or something. They said, well, we just have to sort of get used to it. It's it's not going away. We have to make this a part of our lives now. And I thought, okay, well, maybe they're going to stop this, but they didn't. They just kept. Up. So I mean, it's it's not going to go away, but it's it's not a. I don't think it's a you know a serious thing right now.
1: It's, it's a, the flu,
4: pretty much. That's that's what all the numbers say.
1: There's to, too yeah, many. That's
4: another thing. I saw um, just the other day, yesterday, I think I saw Joe Biden's press secretary was out talking, and uh, either right before or right after the meeting, they had some people talking, and uh, his staff said, "No, you don't need the mask on." It's essentially the flu. You ha- has a you know a three per- or point zero three percent death rate in the world. So it's the flu, and that's this is the the people who have been pushing the nonsense you know the most. So I, I don't know. I, I don't trust any of it. I'm not sick. I've been fine the whole time, you and yeah. You know, I, like I said I don't I don't take any precautions, so I can't trust that any of it's real.
1: Do you think uh, how much of the motivation behind the the scaremongering do you think is to do with getting rid of the orange man?
4: I think the majority of it was at first. I actually didn't think that it was going to, to go quite the way it did. Um, I always knew they were going to try to steal it, but I thought in the end, you know, it was going to be okay. But uh, I think the majority of it was getting getting rid of the orange man and then also taking over the, the big the big thing right away. Uh, within the first month or so of the, the virus outbreak. Um, again, I was in the stock market, so I was paying attention to all the economic stuff, and it was constantly going on about the Federal Reserve's coming in. They're going to start doing all these uh, junk buybacks. They're going to start taking over these companies, and sure enough, that's what they did. And it was you know, pretty much just a power and money grab, I think. that That's the, the majority of what was happening.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different interest groups who are trying to milk this situation we're in as much as they can to forward their own agendas, whether that be, you know, the World Economic Forum or gov- different governments or NGOs or whatever. Yeah, I'm sort of... A, I don't think this is going to end anytime soon, personally. I don't know. What do you think, Matt?
6: I was quite hopeful for the... Uh the magic vaccine and <laughs> it was see. kind of but, um, an end to it. Really, I thought that, I thought that the, the election in America might make it die down because of the amount it was politicized, sort of like mask wearing and how serious the virus was and all the rest of it. Mm. I thought when, once that had all got out of the way, and then coming into spring, the vaccine would match sort of like the, the seasonality effects and all the rest of it, and then it would go away, and then sort of. Might just prep us in the summer to say, um, right, this is something that's around forever, get used to it, basically, you know, and, and we'd all move on. But I don't know, i I'm just sort of like in the last last few months, it's got to the stage where I'm thinking, I've been re- like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like thinking now that if it spikes again in, in the autumn, then we're, we're stuck again doing the same things. I don't know.
1: Yeah, they've they've set the stall out, particularly in this country, that there's only sort of, we only have one cure for this situation and that's lockdowns. And so um, they don't really have a, I I, I can't see an exit strategy for the politicians. And, you you know, we know the politicians aren't really interested in what's best for us. They're just interested in getting elected next time. So I I don't know. Yeah,
6: the problem is as well at the moment here anyway, it's sort of like the polls, is people want more lockdowns, don't they? Harder lockdowns. And um that's like you said, the only cure, isn't it, basically?
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do here is uh you know, Biden said he's gonna do the hundred day lockdown thing or mass mandate. And you know, thankfully federal judges stopped that from happening, but I mean that's uh, that's really what they've been pushing for. They want you staying home. They want you basically locked away. And you know, it's it doesn't make again. It doesn't make any sense. That's been you stopped. Will don't have an immune system if you keep yourself locked away. Yeah, that's the
1: other thing. So the the hundred days of masks that's been stopped, has it, Anthony? Uh,
4: as of right now, it is currently been stopped by a federal judge. Really? So the. Uh,
2: Nope. Hey, <laughs> the, the puppet.
4: <laughs> yeah, I've got a bunch of dogs and cats. So. <laughs> <Okay>. Hello.
1: <laughs> I thought it was quite. It was there was a quite ironic in a way that um, you know Trump has been labelled as this sort of fascist dictator for the last four years, yeah. and then within a week, Biden signed what is it, one
3: thousand yeah. yeah. executive like, orders. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
6: What's... It's been a lot, hasn't it? It's like just like sort of one swipe of the pen. I think I was reading something to today. say, it's like doing the whole, is it Agenda 21? Is the is that the environmental thing? Um, and sort of stop that pipeline. That was a big thing, wasn't it? He's, is he elect, trying to electrify the entire fleet of federal vehicles or something like that? Um yep. Shutting down sort of... Um, Gas and, well, I think gas and oil is not shutting down, I think the article said he wasn't shutting down fracking, but I'm just thinking that's like a massive economic chain, sort of well-paid jobs um, that are going to be sort of lost there, and um, where did he go? Those
1: people, learn, learn to code. <laughs> that's what they say. Though. Learn to code. This it's guy, you know, he's, he's worked on a gas pipeline for 30 years. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> So, Joe, this is all the uh, the Green New Deal stuff on today. What do you make of the um,
4: the, <coughs> the Green New Deal and the Green Agenda? Um, well, I used to think it was funny until we had to live through it. Now, um, <laughs> okay. I, I seriously never. I, I, you know, it's funny to think about now, but you know, I grew up in the '80s and '90s, and in the, the early '80s, you know, used to hear about communism all the time. And it was a big deal. It was in a bunch of movies. And, you know, all the time I'd hear about communism. And um, my, uh, my drummer, his name is Daniel. Um, when I first met him, we were, on, we were on a tour. And we were playing in uh, Long Beach, California on the Queen Mary. And right behind the Queen Mary, it's a, a cruise ship. And they had a, a Russian submarine that's parked there. You can go. It's like a tourist attraction. And he got so angry talking to me about this Russian sub, and he talked to me, he's 10 years older than I am, so he really went into depth about communism. And uh, it, it, was, it was a long story. It was, it was nonsense, most of it, but it was, it was hilarious. And looking back at it now, that's exactly what we're still dealing with. It's, it's still Nazis, it's still communists, and it doesn't seem like it's really going away. They're just you know rebranding themselves as something else right now. But, yeah, this this green new deal nonsense is uh, I didn't think it was gonna be uh, implemented as quickly as it has been. We'll put it that way. but, you know, um, I think day day one he got rid of hundred and twenty thousand Texas oil jobs. Um, the insider trading thing you mentioned about uh, you know, electrifying the fleet. Nancy Pelosi bought a whole bunch of stock in Tesla right before that was announced. Um, so yeah, she, she literally made millions of dollars off of that deal. And that was, you know, maybe two weeks worth of time that passed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nonsense. I don't see how they're going to do the green new deal. Basically they have to tear down every building and rebuild it to, to get their, uh, you know, their emissions the right way. And they're going to, you know, cut down on meat production, which I think they've been doing that for a while, but. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's sort of a terrifying thing when you think about it that communism is still going strong in the world, and you know we literally have been fighting this uh, since the '40s and '50s, and you know it's still going. And who knows before that what was happening with it?
1: Yeah, the big um, thing they keep talking about at Davos this week is net zero by 2050. And they're all they're all getting on board now. I've I've got I've got some clips for later, but you know, bankers, yeah. Dr. Bill, Dr. Belinda Gates, you know, he's well into it, and um, all all these fuckers. And it's it's rules for thee and not for, rules for me and not for thee, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they'll all be fine, you see. They're rich. Yeah, they, they can afford to to pay the carbon offsets, taxes. Mm.
4: Well, okay, really, though, who's going to make them pay anything? They're the ones in charge. They're not going to be paying anything. <laughs> I mean, it's it's their money to begin with, and then it's their rules. So, yeah, they're not paying anything. And a lot of these people, you know, they had all these articles for the longest time about how they have these armored, you know, fortresses, basically, in other countries. And, you know, they don't have to pay any taxes. They don't have to follow any of the rules. And, yeah. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it sounds ludicrous to say it, but you know, it's it's the truth. We're we're ruled by a bunch of Satanists and communists, and you know, most of them are probably pedophiles. What's
1: uh, what's your opinion of the QAnon stuff? Because we don't really, we've never really gotten into QAnon, and it's not really prevalent. It's it's quite. Sort of US-focused, isn't it? The QAnon conspiracy stuff. So, where, where, where are you on Q?
4: I was never uh, into Q very much. Um, most of the stuff they would talk about was stuff that... I've, you just, know, realized we're,
1: I've just realized we're probably <laughs> going to get censored now.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we should, probably shouldn't say that letter. <laughs> yeah. The Call it 17th P. letter of the alphabet, how about that? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, go on.
4: But, yeah, I mean, it's, it, was never, uh, it was never anything like uh, like news. Everything that, that I, I had heard about from there, I had heard from Alex Jones or, you know, David Icke or somebody, you know, years prior. I knew about Jeffrey Epstein, you know, back in 2007. Um, you know, you, you know about all the Clintons and all that stuff. Sean Atwood talks about them. There's been books written about them. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not news. And then a lot of the stuff that they focused on was, you know, all this, uh, you know, trust the plan. They, they don't give specifics. Um, you don't never know who's doing it. It's all on a message board. That's not the way that military intelligence is going to communicate with people. Uh, so I never really believed in it. It was entertaining. I'll give it that much. I mean, a lot of, I liked the, the JFK junior stuff for a while. That was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was never into Q. Um, I think it's it was all a psyop. I think it's a Operation Trust 2.0, pretty much. Who
1: who would be behind it then, in your opinion? If you had to guess.
4: Well, if you uh, you read the rules for radicals, and you know it's it's straight out of the communist playbook. It was a uh, Operation Trust was 1920s during the uh, Bolshevik Revolution. They set up fake, uh, basically fake resistance. And they would get people to commit crimes in behalf of the name of the resistance, which would make the power structure come down harder on the resistance, which is basically what they're doing now. That was the whole Capitol riot thing. You know, 200 people went in there and stood within the velvet ropes. A few people stole some things and, you know, yelled at the cops. That was completely Antifa that there's, there's no, there's no way about it. Um, you know, they, they got some of the few people worked up, I'm Sure. Because uh, they they were saying that they were posting on message boards saying you know this is for the president we're on secret missions for him and you know nonsense like that so they went in there trying to actually do something I guess and but yeah that that's exactly what Operation Trust used to do it's it's right out of a communist but
1: yeah it's like uh, basically an agent provocateur but on a
4: grand scale yeah that's that's exactly what it is yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, and you know,
4: it's, when I I didn't like it at first when I saw it. Like everyone was, uh, you know, all the patriots were were cheering it on at first. Uh, you know, on the internet, they say, oh, the you know, the capital is being overrun right now by patriots. I watched it. And I'm like, no, this is Antifa. You know, they had riot shields in place. They were you know breaking windows out with riot shields. That's that's straight Antifa moves.
1: And um, the I've forgotten her name now, but the the woman who allegedly was shot um where that door is i mean there's some some sort of um alternative theories around that as well isn't there
4: um i've i've seen a few about her um you know i don't i don't know anything about her so i'm not going to comment really but uh i think that I, i think that she uh they definitely got her though. They they she was she was a patsy, just like the George Floyd thing was a was a setup. It's all it's all meant to to foment the uh, basically the coming lockdowns and the crackdown on Republicans or conservatives saying that we're all you know right wing terrorists and you know you see AOC crying about how she was held hostage and. They're all saying this nonsense. They they sat in the chamber. You know, nothing happened to them. They sat there. They were escorted out. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's just something that they're trying to do to crack down on conservatives and their opposition, which is what they claimed, you know, Trump was doing the whole time.
1: Yeah, so similar to – so you, you would use this as a, sort of an excuse to bring forward legislation similar to, like, the Patriot Act in a way of removing rights. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I think this is this is going to be a, an updated Patriot Act. I mean, they're already talking about, you know, and I'm I'm thankful that nothing happened with it. But they're talking about coming after the guns and you know all these right wing people were armed at the Capitol and this and that and you know uh, I think it was about three days before the inauguration, all the state capitals were fenced up around you know the the big cities as well. Um, we have the Arizona State Capitol here in Phoenix and. They had fenced that off. You couldn't go anywhere near the Capitol, and they're you know they, they had things on Craigslist calling for people to show up armed and you know we're going to protest the Capitol and all that is is asking for trouble.
1: So the state capital are they federal buildings then?
4: E, well, yeah, they're they're technically federal buildings even though they're property of the state.
1: Right. Yeah, like a like a federal embassy in each state, sort of thing. Pretty much. Yeah.
4: And now normally you can show up there and you know, you can protest there. You can show up to the Capitol and just go in anytime you want. It's a, it's a big tourist thing here in Phoenix, but, uh, yeah, they, they had a lockdown. You couldn't get anywhere close to it.
1: So is Phoenix a red state or a blue state?
4: Uh, they've been calling it a purple state recently. <laughs> uh, it is diehard red and, uh, this election they did nothing but elect democrats so they said i don't believe that for a second but you know that's that's what it is that's what we have to live with so right now it's a blue state right
1: right i find it i found it pretty shocking some of the language particularly that the media's been using about the capital building stuff um you know you're hearing language like domestic terrorists uh, sedition insurrection these like pretty pretty serious terms being thrown around by msnbc cbs nbc all the rest of him and uh yeah it's sort of uh, it's not going to make it's not going to it's not going to calm the situation is it i mean have things have, do you think that tensions have calmed since the inauguration
4: no i don't think so at all um you know i just just so we're we're very clear i'm a uh, I was a right-wing person i was a trump supporter um but that being said, I'm a musician, so I deal with a lot of people who aren't and uh, it's gotten worse since he's been out now that uh, you know Biden's been in it's it's a feeling of entitlement I'm guessing from them like they've got a ha-ha we won type of thing and you know we're in control we we can do what we want basically um, yeah. you know, there there's not been any kind of you no know, ease of tensions whatsoever i think it's been worse and it's building up to something that's going to be really bad for you know quite a few people
1: really you think that this is going to reach a, a breaking point at some point in the near future
4: um i'm optimistic that it won't come to that because before that happens there there's other things that can and probably will happen um you know, there's, there's already talk about certain states, um, you know, basically seceding and coming up with a, you know, their own government type of thing. Um, they were trying to do that back when, you know, Trump was around. They wanted to do that with uh, California, Oregon, and Washington state. And they wanted to have, you know, uh, I forget the name of it. They wanted to, to break California up into three different states and, you um, do all this, all this stuff with it, and it it failed horribly. California, I think, is actually a, a pretty strong Republican place, uh, but it's been it's been deep, deep in election fraud for years.
0: Right,
1: because we we get the impression that it's sort of the Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. you know, incredibly Democrat. But your okay. feeling is that sort of a a veneer
4: i'll 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 give you this okay i know a lot of uh, musicians i know a lot of record label people um you know pretty pretty well-known people and a lot of them will come out and say that they were not pro-trump but most of them voted for trump (laughs) Uh, same thing with a lot of the tech people they said that they're not uh they're not republicans they're not for trump they voted for trump um There's been, there's, there's been, uh, again, I don't want to get you guys banned. So we'll just say there's been questionable results for elections going back in California for many years. Um, California was the, you know, that's the state that spawned both Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan as governors went on to become president. Um, and in the '80s, it was real strong Republican, and then all of a sudden, that changed once the, they started bringing in illegal aliens and they started uh, really going to town with the crack epidemic. That was that was another George Bush thing, I think. Um, but yeah, they they they've ruined California. Right now, I, I used to live in California, and the taxes there are sixty five percent. And if you make over two hundred thousand dollars, I believe you have to pay like seventy percent taxes. And it's it's it, there's there's no way that you can realistically live there and do business there, and you know have any kind of uh, have any kind of success in terms of you know unless you're a huge corporation already. But you know you can't just start a business there and do business. Um, you know it's almost impossible to to pay rent there um you know for for a two bedroom apartment in LA you're looking at sometimes up to like $3000 and you know a lot of times people make you know 10 bucks an hour in California so i mean that's they're they're working pretty much to to pay their their rent that's about it
1: you you wonder how it sustains itself with conditions like that i mean i've heard about
4: you you have a lot of tech jobs there so that's in in uh In San Francisco, Silicon Valley area, you have a lot of tech jobs. In uh, L.A., you have a lot of, you know, industry uh, entertainment jobs. You have the docks there. So there's high-paying jobs there, but a a lot of the people that live there, you know, they they can't sustain it. That's why, you know, everyone's leaving. I don't remember the number, but it's something like uh, they lost billions of dollars in revenue from just people moving out of state in the last year.
6: Yeah, Yeah. I've heard about that They said that they've been the first time that the state population has shrunk in the last year rather than grown I think for like 30 years or 40 years or something ridiculous I've heard a lot about sort of like um, changes about um, how you've got to make up your board for something you've got to be more inclusive so you've got to have someone from like um, different kind of ethnic backgrounds, sex, you know sexual orientation um transgender people on there, things like that. Without necessarily having any kind of um experience to be on a, a board of the business. I find it a bit bizarre really.
4: Yeah, it's the he uh you have to you have to them a bone otherwise they're gonna throw a fit and but you know they're they're throwing a fits anyway. They're they're going after each other right now. it's, it's not looking good. <laughs> And, you know, there's there's no if, – if you have a leader, and I don't like to view them as leaders. I view them as representatives. I think they need to see themselves as representatives and not leaders. But you, you have leadership that doesn't know how to lead. You're going to have, you know, horrible results. And these people don't know how to lead. They're doing horrible things for us already, and we're not even, you know, a month into this. And uh, I, I don't see it ending well. I think people are going to – Um, you know, hopefully they're going to do it nonviolently and they're going to, you know, just put a stop to it. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't see how we can realistically allow these things to, to go on, especially if they're going to, you know, already be a month in, you know, not so great. And I can't even imagine them getting better. How, uh, how long do you it's think opening up the border here? That, that's the other thing. They stopped the border construction wall, which uh, I was never really in favor of a wall to begin with to a point. I mean, it's more of a symbol thing, but, um, you know, 100% the wall worked with illegal immigration. You know, let's, let's just pretend the coronavirus is real. Um, you have thousands and thousands of people coming to our borders, not vaccinated, not being tested. Um, you know, and he's letting 11 million people into this country. And that doesn't make any kind of sense. I mean, if we have a pandemic, then we don't need to be letting anybody in this country unless it's been screened.
1: Is there uh, travel bans like via airports and stuff in the States now.
4: Um, I don't believe that there are, um, domestically. You can go anywhere you want. Um, a lot of times, the airlines don't even really make you wear a mask. Um, depends on where you go and what have you. On the plane, they have you kind of wear it. Um, but, yeah, you can go domestically. Um, you can go a certain place. I think I think everything's open again. I, Europe was closed off for a while, and I'm pretty sure we can go to Europe now.
1: Right. You might not be able to come here. <laughs> I don't think you can come here. You might have to. You might have to sit in a government. <laughs> a yeah. government. I, I managed.
4: believe for international travel, you have to have proof of vaccination now. I think that's how that was announced.
1: Right, right. I think haven't they announced this weekend that they're setting up um, government-paid hotel rooms for two weeks for international travelers to the UK?
6: Yeah, it started, didn't it? Last week or the week before. Was it? Yeah. So they like booked out. Massive hotels and people. Are, it's just pictures of people like with their hands up on windows, staring out aimlessly. <laughs> well, the
1: they thing is, stay in a room for two weeks. The hotels aren't allowed to open, so you might as well use them as exactly, yeah. you know makeshift detention facilities. I wonder who's <laughs>
6: um, on a board as a non-executive director of Holiday Inn, or <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because it will it'll be something like that, won't it? It'll be a, some kind of MP.
1: You know, we've we've here. we've seen a lot of um sort of mps members of parliament handing out contracts for ppe and testing contracts and track and trace to their buddies and and whatnot The sort of uh, what do you call it crony capitalism mm. and uh, i'm sure it's happening at, at, on your side of the pond as well oh for sure this is so much money um we're we're just printing money faster than you would believe and there's so much money
4: sloshing about i mean oh god see you you look into the great reset that's exactly what they were they were talking about uh you know they they they've been talking about this for a while about uh this this money isn't good for us we need to come up with a a global currency anytime they say globe i automatically know it's a lie to begin with but you know they start talking about a global currency uh you know the pope talks about it all the time um you know he talks about a global government global religion they want the the one world order type thing and you know they they really want this this global currency thing to really kick off and uh they want the great reset. They say it's it's good for poor people, and that's what they're, going, they're trying to do. They want the poor people to demand it. That's why they're demanding, you know, they get poor people worked up for a $15 minimum wage, and then you give them $15 minimum wage, and they start complaining that everything costs more. So that $15 means nothing because you're right back to paying more, you know, losing more of your money. Yeah. What's your, what... yeah that, that ties into the fractional reserve stuff you were talking about. It, money, money is worthless. I mean, that's why... You know, it only, things only have value if you want them to. Right, yeah. It's the sort of I, IOU
1: system, isn't it? I mean, we've never really... Pretty much, yeah. We've never really talked about it, have we? Could, could we you just... Sorry, about was, three years ago, I think. Did we? Yeah. To whom? Because I don't understand it.
6: <laughs> oh, no, not a guest. No, to each other. It was when,
5: back in the dark days,
1: of three guests.
5: And we are just riffing.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> What's just... Could you lay it out, Anthony, this, the... The, the sort of premise behind fractional reserve banking?
4: Uh, okay, essentially, um, you know, you go to a bank, you uh, you apply for a loan, that bank, well, let's say you apply, I'll do a small number, let's say you apply for a $100 loan, they give you the $100 digitally, it's not real money, they give it to you digitally, that $100 though, they request it from their central bank for $1,000. So automatically, they're putting themselves nine hundred dollars in the hole by borrowing a thousand, but they loan out that thousand dollars, and then they charge you the interest on the money. So every time that you pay, uh, you know, basically your interest, you're not going towards any of the balance, um, and it, you never you never can pay off your balance essentially uh, by fractional reserve because as soon as you you get money. That money is no longer worth what you got it for. So you get a hundred dollars; it's now worth ninety nine. You know, and and they just keep diluting it down over and over again, basically until you have, you know, the dollar now. I think it it was worth uh, something like thirty seven cents compared to what it used to be. You know, I, that's that's just it's it's devaluing the currency. Um, thankfully, the United States has the uh petrodollar, that's why we're the world currency. That's the only reason why the US still has a you know any kind of economy left pretty much. Um but yeah these uh these banks they they loan out the money they keep getting interest on it. You know um in the United States I'll just I'll use that as an example. Uh every year we pay our taxes. Um that money for the tax that we're paying, we think it goes for certain things. It doesn't go to any of that. Um, they say something like eight to 10% goes just to pay the interest on the loans we have for the federal government. So that's trillions and trillions of dollars that we're paying just for interest. And that's not even paying the balance. That's
1: interest. That's that's owed to the federal reserve.
4: Well, we, we pay it. Yeah. We, we pay it to the IRS. They pay it to the federal reserve, um, and then the Federal Reserve, you know, they split it amongst themselves. It's – they make up the, – the people who um, – there are 12 banks that make up the Federal Reserve. And then the people who are on the, the heads of each bank makes up the board for the uh, DTCC and the CED and company. And uh, they are the main financial people for the stock market. They're the main financial people for all of the banks – uh, they, they are the the world bank, essentially. Um, so you have these bankers who are in charge of our economy. They're also in charge of the stock market. So automatically, the stock market right there is rigged. But, again, you have to give them full control. I mean, they they own your company once you go public. You you own a small piece, and that's the, the piece that you get to put on the stock market to make money off of. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially how stocks work. Um but yeah, fractional reserve—it's—it's all—it's all market manipulation. It's fiat nonsense. Um, you know, I, for a while I was into, into crypto. Um, I like the idea of blockchain. I don't like Bitcoin. I think it's overvalued, and I think there is definitely you know play going on with that. But for the time being, it's a it's a good investment if you're actually going to invest
0: in it.
1: Yeah, is that what medium term do you think? I'm sorry what was that in the in the medium term so, i mean a lot of people are just looking for yeah, yeah, a, a get get rich quick thing aren't they
4: but i had bitcoin when it was uh i, don't know, I think it was like 600 dollars i had some bitcoin um i tried to get into it when it was only like you know 5 dollars back in uh, 2010 or something and I was told that it was by some law enforcement people. I was told that Bitcoin is a currency for pedophiles and internet drug traffickers. And that automatically anyone who uses it or collects it will be under federal investigation. Wow. And so that's, that kept me away from it for a while. And then I realized what they were doing. And they used that to bring down uh, um, Ross Albrecht from Silk Road. They, they got him on Bitcoin stuff. And that's when I sort of found out that they were playing with Bitcoin back then. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely, you know, I'm not saying not to buy it, but, uh, you know, don't spend $35,000 to buy one of them (laughs) right now.
1: No, it's too complicated for me. I don't even know what a digital wallet is. (laughs)
4: It took me a while to learn the wallet. I, I had uh, in 2014, I lost five Bitcoin because I couldn't find my wallet password. It was some oh. like a, it was one of those with a 27 letter key code or something. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, the uh, yeah, the financial system seems to be at the heart of a lot of the problems that we have. I remember the um, what what was the when was the Northern Rock? The run on the banks, was it 2007? I think so. When, 2007. It flash, it? And yeah, this sort of ties in with the, the fractional reserve in that. They're worried that there's going to be a run on the banks because if everyone tries to draw their money out, people will realise that the banks don't have your money. <laughs> they don't have it. Yeah. They've got a tenth of it.
4: idea behind what they're trying to do with silver right now they're they're trying to to buy a bunch of silver, trade it in for physical, and then say, "Hey, give us our silver." They don't have it, so they're gonna you know the price is gonna skyrocket on it, and they're gonna make a bunch of money, and then they're gonna short silver pretty much because once it goes up and they realize that it's not scarce, then it's gonna you know drop down substantially, and they're gonna make even ton, you know a ton more money on the way down, this, you know, even more than they made on the way up. Do you think there's a way out of it? A
1: way out of the financial
4: system that was stuck with. Um, there's 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 ways out, but no one's going to do, you know what what it's going to take to do. And you know, it's 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 all well and fine to say that we want that, but you know, again, what are we going to replace it with right now? Uh, you know, every, everyone was talking about the Nasara Gasara thing. Um, are you guys familiar with that? No. Mm-hmm. I I never it was it was a Q thing, but they talked about it's it's basically a financial reset where, you know, all the 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 idea was Donald Trump was going to take over the Federal Reserve and uh, you know cancel all debt and stuff like that, and there is a it's called Nisara Gasara. I never really got in too much into it, but basically it all sounded like what the Great Reset is, only. instead of it having a happy ending that everyone's now debt-free, now the Great Reset, and now we're going to have no money and, you know, not have a way to support ourselves, pretty much.
1: Yeah, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it, was the famous yeah. uh, article from it's... the World Economic <laughs> Forum. Yeah, that that's you know the quote. You'll,
4: you'll own nothing and you'll be happy
1: about it. Yeah. Oh, my word. Well, on that happy note, we're, we're yeah. knocking up on time already, Anthony. Yeah. Hey, hey so... Is there anything you want to promote? Is, where can we send people?
4: Uh, real quick, uh, you know, Vorzug is going to be doing a uh, new album here coming out this year. We're also doing some music videos. Uh, go to the website at www.vorzug.info or go to. Uh, TheAppollianGroup.bandcamp.com for my record label, which is The Appollian Group, and uh, Vorzug.info.
1: Cool. I'll put the links in the in the show notes, eavesdroppers. So if you just scroll down, you'll find those links. Now, if you want to check out,
4: check out a bit of sure. that. I will, uh, share this on. I'm, I'm I'm constantly being banned from social media, but I will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will share this in any places I'm still available to go to.
1: Excellent. Right. Well will uh, just hang on the line, Anthony, for one minute while we play ourselves out. It's been good to talk to you. It's been fun. You still? Well, fun. Best of luck with, uh, well, the shit storm that's happening over there. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you on the flip side. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> right, then we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That was our chat with... Anthony Hoyes, Hoyes from Hoyes, Vorzug. Vorzug. yeah. Check it out. Check out the band. Um, links will be in the description. That was a good chat. We covered a lot of stuff, a lot of interesting mm. stuff, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll speak to Anthony in the future about other topics.
5: Mm. It's always nice to get an American perspective, or well, just a different perspective. Um, yeah, across the patch, really
1: yeah yeah uh, we're we're lacking uh living in parallel universes at the moment it seems yeah mm. <laughs> the the madness that's been going on over there particularly this last year so yeah it's good nice guy I enjoyed it mm. um shall we do some housekeeping housekeeping
3: housekeeping
2: housekeeping
0: Execute order
2: 69,
1: Housekeeping. Uh This is a value-for-value value podcast. No adverts, no paywalls, no co- corporate sponsors. So if you found this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. Yeah. Um, helping us continue to do this. We need your support in producing this podcast. And in return, you shall receive a producer credit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's loads of ways. Loads of ways to help us out. Leave us an iTunes review. Yeah, we've got one.
6: Another five-star iTunes uh, review from Jay Spaceman. Spaceman. Great show with interesting and varied topics. Delivered with a slice of humour and a good mix of conversation and opinions. Thumbs up emoji. Give it a whirl. Um, Tornado emoji.
1: Thanks, Jay Spaceman. Oh, I see what you've done there. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, Excellent. good. Well, we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. iTunes reviews are a good way to uh, support us. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, that mm-hmm. helps. Yeah. Hearts at the moment. Yeah. Lightening it up, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stalkers on social media. Instagram is the best way to catch mm-hmm. us. Not really active on the others because there's fucking help pits. <laughs> fucking help it i hate twitter facebook's for old people so instagram it is <laughs> <laughs> you can even send us memes send mm-hmm. us memes for instagram yeah, if you man. send us memes to put on instagram that frees up more time for us to actually produce the fucking show fulfilled to produce the show yeah <laughs> um you can send us artwork yeah. You know, I yeah, put yes. new artwork on our epi- show, episode last week. I put the Union of the Unwanted uh, episode artwork up. So if you submit some artwork that is 1400 <laughs> pixels squared, between 1400 and 3000 pixels square, preferably at the higher end, <laughs> and we like it, we might just use it. And that will be yeah. our artwork for that episode. No agenda, do this every week. And it's great. And it's a good way for people to get involved. If you you know, if you're a talented artist, a digital artist, send us mm. some artwork. Uh email us at thearmistinquisition at if you want to yeah. get in touch. Uh you can send us news articles, video clips. Um buy some merch from the armish loot chest. Yeah. Um most importantly.
0: Toss a
2: fucking coin. Toss a <laughs> coin to your witcher, oh, Valley of Plenty. VCs. Oh uh, great. Oh. I'm literally Toss a, a coin communist. To your witcher, oh valley of plenty. People have got to understand vaccination is going to be, in the end, your route to liberty. VCs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, just go to the website, armsandcomposition.com. You can find the. How do I become a producer tab? There's loads of details there. You can find the PayPal button if you want to give us a one-off donation or a monthly. It all helps. Mm -hmm. Make this possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, or check out the show notes. All the links will be there. I should give a shout-out to Robbie from Out of the Blank. I I did a guest spot on his podcast again that came out this week. Uh, Episode 682, it was, of Out of the Blank. Mm -hmm. If you want to hear me butcher Procession of the equinoxes and uh, celestial <laughs> dynamics.
5: Always,
2: <Yeah. laughs> there you that's, go. that's a
1: must
5: lesson <laughs> And uh,
1: Robbie's going to come on here as well in oh. uh, March, right? Okay, March, I think early March. Right. Check the diary. Um, right. So I should thank the producers for episode one sixty nine. They, we have. Dean McCoy, Jethro Tull, Big Spuds, Gav Scott, Nomi Nosnodge, Rob Walker, Jay Spaceman, and Anonymous. You're so amazing in your love.
0: Feces. Hang on, I think I've fucked up here.
1: (laughs) I have, I've, I've fucked up. Oh no. Oh my god. I'm just not amazing enough, am I? No. They
0: are. Yeah. So <laughs> amazing and there. Love. Come here, goosey big stud. I'm literally a- I'm the best mate.
3: It really bothers me.
0: I've been coming to terms with the fact that I am Fucking
3: Vegan. The dwarf, the carags, the grape, the homophobe, the wings, the uh, tossilizu map, the fucking vegan, the blind dog faced pony soldier, the <laughs> asna, the corp the number 11, the slushy
7: deposits, the blind man, the communist on the horizon, the cripple, and the mother of money, from like a judgment day and terminating mode like. <laughs>
1: I never will, yep. Thanks for your support for another Ooh. week. Fucking hell, shit tons to get through, Mal. What's that
6: synth? That's yeah, a new synth. synth at the end. Tell us about the synth, but yeah. Before we move on,
1: I just found it <laughs> online, <laughs> royalty free. Ooh. you know, wow. it's a bit of stranger things, yeah. yeah well, it's sort it's of so hot right now, isn't it? 80s, yeah. Uh, And especially podcast logos with the, like, 80s graphics, like neon uh, 8-bit. Is it 8-bit? The old lot of video game graphics and neon lights and shit. Vaporwave. Yeah. COVID-19.
0: Put yeah, uh, it on
3: your you fucking muzzle if you go to the shop. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass from hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and More, like- More lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. Two million people have to die. This is such a crock of
2: shit. Yes, yes.
8: It's bickering. Who the fuck's that? Yeah, me. Sarilumab.
1: Ah! The vaccine wars are upon us. Hmm. Absolutely.
5: Friday. I thought, we were, I thought we were quite diplomatic in the, uh, I say we uh, as the country, not us as the podcast, but we were quite diplomatic in, uh, in kind of dealing with that situation, I think.
9: The situation is as follows. Londonderry this morning, it was hard to imagine that less than 6 miles away, the Irish border was about to become the center of an astonishing escalation in the dispute over vaccine supply. This afternoon, the European Commission announced that due to concerns about access to the AstraZeneca vaccine, it was introducing export controls on all vaccines leaving the EU. Today, we have developed a system that will allow us to know whether vaccines
7: are being exported from the EU. This increased transparency will also come with the responsibility for the EU to authorise, with our member states,
9: these vaccine exports. Here, the government tried hard to stay out of the vaccine dispute.
6: I'm not going to comment on the EU's own discussions with those manufacturers. What we need to focus on is making sure that UK residents and the NHS here gets the vaccines uh, that's required. And as I say, we're confident that we will be receiving what we expected in the days and weeks ahead.
9: There is one place where the EU could not control exports, the Irish border. The painfully negotiated Irish protocol in the Brexit deal forbids restrictions of trade, but there's an override clause. Article 16 says if the protocol's application leads to serious economic, societal or environmental difficulties, then the EU or the UK may unilaterally take appropriate safeguard measures – This afternoon, the EU published a regulation blocking vaccine exports across the border, saying this is justified as a safeguard measure pursuant to Article 16. Astonishingly, the European Commission did not tell London, or even, I am told, Dublin, that... They didn't tell Dublin. (laughs)
1: Dublin's a member state. The capital Mm -hmm. of Southern Ireland. The EU didn't even tell them that they were going to implement a fucking hard border on the island of Ireland. Bad idea. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to get Arlene Foster <laughs> no, on your with case. A, with, with eight MPs. She's fucking, tell you what, she's formidable, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, she destroyed Theresa May. Pretty yes. much single-handedly ended her career. Yeah. Yeah, what was that, what was that deal? Was it one billion per MP? She got out of the Conservatives. I think she got well I heard it was a billion
6: pounds wasn't it basically for eight votes or whatever it was eight seats
1: mm, I'm I would query that <laughs> I think it might be a billion each Anyway, she had her over a barrel, didn't she, for what, a month, a a year, 18
9: months, anyway. They were about to take this provocative action. A number 10 spokesperson said the UK was seeking an urgent explanation from Brussels and was carefully considering what the government's next steps might be. This evening, the Prime Minister had a phone call with the Irish Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, to express his concerns. In Northern Ireland, right across the political spectrum, there is fury with the EU.
7: Well, you know, I think it's quite incredible. It's an act (laughs) act of aggression, actually, uh, less than a month uh, into us leaving the European Union, we see them act in this unilateral way. It shows to me that all of their words around protecting Northern Ireland and protecting the Belfast Agreement were just that words. And actually, what they've been doing is using Northern Ireland as a pawn in their negotiations.
9: A short time ago, the Prime Minister called the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. How
1: do you reckon that conversation went? Uh, well, well,
0: well, 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 alas, um, alack, and, um, um, this is terrible. And, uh,
1: something about Athens and
9: Sparta. <laughs> Fucking bumbling idiot. To express his grave concerns. Oh, totally grave. <laughs> and there were signs that the commission was frantically backtracking, with sources there claiming the regulation invoking Article 16 of the protocol had been published in error.
1: Yeah, so basically, Northern Ireland has like a a special arrangement Mm. with the EU because of Brexit, and the main thing was we don't want a hard border on the island of Ireland because after decades of bloody violence... Uh, You know, Mm. we had the peace process in the late 90s and we don't want to put that at risk. So Northern Ireland was given sort of a special status where there would be no... It would be part of the EU customs arrangement. Mm. But there was this sort of backstop to that called Article 16 where, you know, in some sort of emergency situation, either the EU or the UK unilaterally could trigger Article 16 and that would essentially implement customs checks and therefore hard border on the island of Ireland. And they decided to do this and sort of um, try and stop the export of medical supplies (laughs) to a third nation. I mean, it's just fucking outrageous, isn't it?
6: Where is the AstraZeneca vaccine manufactured? Is it manufactured in Europe? Is that the issue? No. The the
1: issue is is that the EU has made a fucking clusterfuck of the vaccine rollout because it's such a fucking lumbering, slow bureaucratic nightmare yeah. they were three months behind the curve mm. that's why we didn't sign up for the vaccine procurement programme of the EU because you know what they're like mm. part of the reason they were held up three months was them having to sort out the instructions being translated into 27 different languages at the last minute you know it's just a, it's a bureaucratic nightmare it's a talking shop these people get paid to talk and talk and not do and so they're months behind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So this has brought political pressure on them and they need, a, they need a way out or a scapegoat. And so they wanted to start saying, hang on, you, AstraZeneca, you, your UK factory is, is outputting because we've been through all the teething problems months ago and mm-hmm. our factories are producing regularly but the belgian factory is three months behind and they're still working through these niggles this is how i understand it i don't know anything so uh so the there were the the idea is that the eu seem to have got it in the heads that they're worried that northern ireland was going to be a back door for exporting vaccine from the eu to the uk when our vaccine production isn't having any problems right I don't get it. Mm. Unless it's the Pfizer. Well, then they try to, you know, they try to avoid our, interfere with our contracts, our contracts, the UK government contracts with other companies, you know. See, the UK put a clause in the AstraZeneca contract that any any doses manufactured in the UK, the UK would get first dibs on. That's part of the contract, the stipulation. Mm
10: -hmm.
1: So, yeah. Anyway, that was Friday about tea time. And obviously the backlash was fucking monumental. Yeah.
8: Another extraordinary twist, because in the past few minutes, I've been told by a senior source within the European Union that the EU is now going to withdraw this controversial Article 16 about Northern Ireland. Having released it earlier today, having faced this absolute torrent of criticism uh, from Westminster, from Dublin, from Belfast, and indeed from other member states, they have immediately buckled. Our statement hasn't come out yet. I'm expecting it to come out in the next few minutes. As to why this mistake was made, uh, well, I'm told that it is a combination of two things. One is that it was a simple error.
1: You buying that? An error? Yeah, we made a mistake. Um, No
8: according to the source I spoke to, that they didn't foresee the furore. Perhaps they didn't look at the ramifications. That in itself would seem uh, extraordinary. The second thing is that it was meant because they had focused on vaccines and frankly, it would seem to me that officials within the EU simply didn't look uh, at the bigger picture. So they are going to have to row back. This is embarrassing for the European Union, for the European Commission, for the President Ursula von der Leyen and it happens at a time when tension are very, very high in this row that started between AstraZeneca and European Commission uh, and has now moved into international diplomacy uh, and indeed contract law, this blame game about who, is, uh, to, uh, who takes the blame for the EU not having enough doses of this vaccine. And as one person said to me today, this may be about political point scoring, but it is also about lives. That is where we started, and we finished the day with the EU having to withdraw a bit of legislation that it had only put into place a few hours before.
1: So as far as I know, there hasn't been any developments today. That was, that was uh, yesterday, I think, that was from. So uh, it's interesting. Geopolitically, it's an interesting sort of situation, isn't it? Mm. I think it's probably just a bit of a power play, really, wasn't it? Do you not think? Just trying it on, aren't they? Yeah, because they've I mean. you know they yeah. fu- they fucked up, and and the yeah. nation states, you know the Germans and the French and everyone else are kicking off. They're saying, you know, where, where's this vaccine? How come the US, Israel, UK seem to be rolling out theirs pretty rapid, and and we're struggling for doses. What's going on? Have they not got their own? Um
6: Sort of pharmaceutical companies have phar- Is there a French pharmaceutical company and a German
1: one? You know, or- yeah, yeah. Why are yeah, they Pasteur, just making it? It's a
5: big French pharmaceutical company,
1: Sanofi. There's only, oh, by the way, the AstraZeneca was only um, granted uh, emergency use authorization on the Friday when they did this. Hmm. It's only just been granted by the European EU. uh, e- e- EAU, I EMA. think. It is. EMA, sorry. Yeah, but AstraZeneca have a factory in Belgium to produce the AstraZeneca vaccine. Right. But they're three months behind because mm-hmm. the EU was three months behind placing the order mm-hmm. behind the UK. Mm-hmm. So they're going through these problems that manufacturing hiccups and uh, issues mm. three
2: panic
5: months down the line. Knee-jerk.
1: It's a knee-jerk reaction, isn't it? Yeah. It's panic. Pretty irresponsible.
5: The only yeah. thing I've seen today, Phil, is that some of the European newspapers are reporting that the EU uh, Commission have unwittingly given the best advert for Brexit. I know, yeah. Um, so,
3: <laughs> well,
5: and... so you know, it could be other nation states leaving. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you you know if you weren't sure about what the EU was about when the Brexit vote happened, then you've just got a better idea, haven't you?
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Politicians, talking shops, they're all the same. Like, one bloated bureaucracy is enough for me, for one country. Don't need another one, another layer over the top. You know, we've been through all this, the vote was done. You know, it tried to get sabotaged and overturned and, you know, for several years, but it's actually done now, so I think we can drop Brexit. Fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anyway... Uh, There's some interesting news today, actually. The WHO, on this sort of topic, WHO put a bulletin out today uh, urging the UK, once it's um, vaccinated its vulnerable demographics, to donate the rest of its vaccines to developing countries.
6: Oh, right, okay.
1: Rather than, because our plan, our vaccine rollout plan, once we've got the, you know, the 80s and then the 70 Mm. plus, then healthcare workers and people who are... Uh, Clinically vulnerable to then roll it down and then do over fifties, over forties. I looked Mm. on the website and you know to see when I would be eligible, and it said Mm -hmm. like there was thirty-seven million people ahead of me in the the queue. In the queue, yeah. Just out of um, you know curiosity. Technically, is that
6: not something like um, seventy-four million injections first,
1: two doses? (laughs) Yeah, two doses. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, the 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 WHO is going to push for the the rich, <laughs> rich countries. How much have we spend this year? Eight hundred billion. <laughs> yeah, <They're laughs> rich countries me. like us to uh, to donate. So that's an interesting move. I wonder how our government will react to that. I think
5: so we've got a lot on order from not just the uh, AstraZeneca yeah. one, but the the new ones as well, and the mm. the Johnson Johnson one. We've got some big orders. I think it's somewhere in the region of three hundred and sixty million. Doses, so we can have plenty to to give, should we want to. And I think it would perhaps be a mm. it would be seen as a good thing. I mean, globally, geopolitically, I mean, trade if, with other yeah. countries, etc. We're looking at you know a new trade deal with with a big group today, like Japan and and Canada and all kinds of things. If we're, uh, you know, if we've got a vaccine to spare, perhaps that could be used to help deals in those areas.
6: Giving our vaccines to poor countries like Canada, Japan.
5: Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, in the region, though. I mean, there'll be African countries in there. I didn't read the full list, but...
6: <laughs> well, what you could do is you could swap like 40 million doses of, um, you know, Johnson & Johnson's vaccine for like... Maple syrup like a year's worth of uranium or something or what's that thing what's that thing that is it i want to say i want to say cobalt in um, coltan that's it is in the uh touch screens yeah what are we gonna do with
1: that we don't make anything here well (laughs) Well, then sell that to china
5: (laughs) yeah exactly we'll buy it and then trade it with japan yeah Yeah. so it works (laughs) yeah The wheel, a wheel within a
1: wheel. The wheels of commerce continue to turn.
5: Empire building.
1: (laughs) God, don't say that. We'll get banned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sticking with the EU, uh, the EU aren't very happy with Tanzania.
2: The European Union granted 27 million euros of European taxpayers' money to Tanzania to combat the effects of COVID. Now, we have a regime in the country saying that there is no COVID in the country with rather bizarre explanations. So, once again, we have a government who's refused to follow guidelines from the World Health Organization, (laughs) a government that has refused to provide statistics, and still we're giving them 27 million euros. I would like you to inform the members of our committee About the money we have given to Tanzania, what were the criteria for giving this money, and especially what is happening with this money. We are talking about European taxpayers' money, and I have difficulties that we grant money to a government which is obviously not trying to cooperate in a decent manner. So could you please answer my question? And if you're not able now, then I would expect you to provide us the written details within 48 hours. Thank you.
1: This is, uh, you know, uh, I'm quite critical of international aid. I know a lot of people think that if you think that you must be xenophobic or racist or something, if, you, if you're against well, giving. It's
6: quite well documented, isn't it? A lot of it is just pilfered, isn't
1: it? Well, to me, it's taking money from poor people in rich countries and giving it to rich people in poor countries. Oh, yeah, that seems to what happens, isn't it? That seems to what happens to most of it. Implementation's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I just thought that was quite amusing they they prayed it away in Tanzania they prayed Covid away (laughs) oh maybe we could try that next (laughs) yeah prayers and uh, herbal remedies and Um, no Covid it's it's quite sunny in Tanzania all the time I don't
6: know where it is in Africa is it like in the middle is it on the equator
1: yeah and um, young population yeah warm all the time fine yeah, they don't seem to... Well, who knows?
6: And a healthy respect for God. Is what matters. Yes.
5: <laughs> Do we have any international airports either?
1: Are you planning a holiday? <laughs> Maybe. It's not COVID. Yeah, yeah, why not? Well, I'll just remind you of this clip that we played before. Um, it's uh, Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the PCR test. Oh God! Not this again.
3: Misuse PCR is not quite. I don't think you can misuse PCR. Either. No, the results, the interpretation of it. See, if you, if you, if you can say, if 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 they wanted, if, if they could find this virus in you at all, and with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody. It starts making you believe in the sort of Buddhist notion that everything is contained in everything else, right? I mean, because if you can amplify one single molecule up to a... a
1: Find anything in anything. Anyway, with that in mind, news from China.
7: COVID-19 was found on ice cream made in eastern China, prompting a recall. According to Chinese government leaders, the company that makes the ice cream is sealed and its employees are being tested for the virus. So far, there's been no indication anyone contracted COVID from the ice cream. The government said most of the 29,000 cartons in the batch had not been sold yet.
6: Amish Ben was like on that a month ago.
5: Yeah, I was.
6: The ice cream I was COVID. Wondering, wondering
5: about um, how many tests he did <laughs> and uh, the false positive rate of what kind of tests we used. I was just what throwing did... a thought experiment into the ring.
6: <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. We said, how many cartons did it say? 23,000 in that batch. So, you know, if you tested each carton, that's well within the realms, isn't it? Is it not? What's the false positive um... on it?
5: they don't know it depends on the test oh right okay it's don't speculated isn't
1: it? it it yeah they just depends told who's...
5: it depends to a strong light bulb <laughs>
1: i'll tell you what if you're doing if you're doing tests like under marquees uh, in they've had to hire loads of people to do these tests yeah build. that's what mike said wasn't it yeah people who've never worked in a lab before who have very little experience yeah. who knows what the false positive rate is mm. yeah so it's, it's in ice cream it's in ice cream though so yeah know. thank god that's not been on answer. the BBC <laughs> yeah. anyway moving on we've um, often talked about possible negative consequences of government mandated lockdowns and school closures and things and uh, I picked up a, one that a lot of people might be sleeping on this week And it comes from talk radio. There was a guy rang into talk radio and he sounded like he was on the edge. He was breaking down and like the presenter had to sort of calm him down and give him a bit of on air therapy because this guy's living on his own. He's working. He works for an advertising company, actually. He's like a team leader for an advertising company. Having to lay people off... Um, care for his elderly parents and and all the rest of it and it's all just, it was all just getting too much for him um, uh, and he brings up a consequence of online working that I don't think we've heard before which I thought was really interesting
0: um, what I do is very high pressured
2: hmm.
0: and I'm working probably 15 hours a week over what I should do because they've got rid of so many people, and a lot of people that they've got rid of, they've shipped the jobs off so to um, outsourcing. So I've not only got to do my job, I've got to teach people in um, India, China, how to how how to just work. Hmm. So I'm not just doing that. It doesn't help today that India have got a bank holiday, but um, so I've had to do all of their jobs as well. If your job can
1: be done remotely, mm. why oh, yeah. would your employer restrict themselves to just look at the UK when someone in India can do it for twenty percent of the of the salary?
6: Yeah, this is what um, my a family member basically I know. Um, they um, part of the thing that they managed was this kind of thing where they kind of exported jobs, basically. is to with, like, accounts. Um, and they went over to, like, India to sort of, like, teach them how to do it, basically. The problem was that they found um, was that the customer service was awful. So people couldn't understand, if, like, if someone's got a strong accent, you can't tell what they're saying or the grasp of English isn't great, then it makes it really difficult to kind of... Um, so some of it ended up... Um, coming back basically because of those reasons
1: yeah we've all had those experiences of going for the call center and being redirected to yeah. somewhere in the far east and you know we have like how many different accents are there in the uk <laughs> like 50 mm-hmm. i mean how, how can you know a native indian speaker it's not going to understand me with the best will in the world you know if english is the second language they might really struggle
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh yeah this is this is difficult um, but it seems that this is happening and it's probably going to happen more because that at-home working is being accelerated. It provides this opportunity. Yeah, that's the thing. It's yeah. something I'd never really considered,
6: the, the fact that, you know, it's no. just as easy to get someone else. Like Yeah, like you said, for...
1: Depends on the job, Arthur, doesn't sorry. it? Depends on the job, but there will be jobs at risk. Just to finish oh, this... Uh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, it's just the same as sort of car
6: manufacturing or any kind of manufacturing, isn't it? You know, it goes to the place where you can make
1: it for the cheapest. Yeah. Just to finish this uh, clip. But um,
0: You're in under an incredible it, amount of pressure, John. People that are on furlough, you've got to realise, if you're on furlough and your companies find another way they're going to find another way, and they're going to offshore your jobs, and you won't have your job anymore. What would you say so if Boris Johnson really or, or, scary, or the man. government were listening? What would you
1: say? Yeah, I feel sorry for him. He's having to lay off people he's worked with for years, and then remotely train people in India and China <laughs> to do their jobs, plus yeah. do his own job. Mm. Yeah, people uh, need to be awake to this possibility.
6: Yeah. So.
1: What a downer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's uh, let's move on. Unheard. The pop up YouTube channel had a human rights lawyer on, and he was talking about the lack of parliamentary scrutiny that we've seen over the last twelve months. I thought this was interesting. Only a yes or a no. And I think that we've changed that... the law
5: sixty-five times in the last year, and none of them have been subject to a parliamentary vote.
8: No, I think we've changed the law over 300 times in the last year over (laughs) relating to COVID. COVID. Right, but but 65 just for the lockdown. So the criminal laws, um, these criminal laws that um, self-isolation, face coverings, lockdown—those kind of those areas that we we collectively think of as the lockdown.
1: Just keep an ear out for the mechanism that they've used uh, to get around the parliamentary scrutiny.
8: Um, Those have all been done without. Using an emergency procedure under the Public Health Act 1984, which allows for this kind of emergency procedure.
1: I just thought that was quite.
8: Using an emergency procedure under the Public Health Act 1984, which. Is is that to do with AIDS? Could be. Yeah. Yeah, it's about the
5: right time, isn't
1: it? Don't know.
6: Yeah, because there's some dodgy stuff in the it, it's, it's a Sin TV programme. Oh. And that was, you know, a, lot, a large part to do with like the AIDS epidemic, wasn't it? So um, I seem to remember them mentioning the Public Health Act in that and locking people up, basically, when they had yes, AIDS.
5: Yes,
1: they did. Yes, I remember, yeah. Did they, they, they sort of intern people? Who were yeah, HIV yeah. positive. Yeah. I've not yeah. seen this. I know everyone's raving about it, but I don't watch telly, so.
5: Well, it's worth a watch if you well, can... M-
1: what platform's Channel, it
5: on? Channel Four.
6: It's what you on Four OD or whatever it's all four, whatever it's called now.
1: I had no idea they'd done that in the uh, the age pandemic crisis. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, I don't know how. You know, and
6: then a story is like one of the people, one of the guys in it. His dad goes to Nigeria. And when he's in Nigeria, basically, there's people locked up in hospitals with AIDS and just left to die with no food or water and oh stuff like God. that. So I don't know, you know if that's true as well. imagine it is.
1: Yeah, so. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you, you know Dr. Hillary? Yeah. The, I, the one who's clinging onto his hair on ITV. <laughs> He must have a sunbed at home. Yes. That's really. I remember him from my very young childhood. Yes. Yeah, so being do I, on, actually. On GMTV, would it have been? Or ITV yeah. in the mornings, or whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's got the answer to all our problems.
0: And we do have a small but very, very
7: loud, yes. very yes. shouty um, okay. minority who who are just denying
2: I, everything. I is... wish we could vaccinate against stupidity. And... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, The old uh, stupid vaccine Yeah,
6: I think it's a bit it's a bit, super painful A bit more nuanced well, than just
1: denying everything, isn't it? It does go on with a, an anecdote
2: Indeed, um, I mean, you know, I was at a shop the other day shop's doing everything right, one person in at a time and that person came out and, and the person outside said, I forgot my mask and the other person said, here, borrow mine
1: yeah. <laughs> Did he intervene then, Dr Hillary? I don't know, do you remember a few weeks ago when he got caught in a shot without his mask on? Oh, no. I and he had to do a grovelling apology. Uh, um, <laughs> should just yeah. <laughs> 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 you should have just
2: borrowed one. He should have done it, yeah.
1: <coughs> oh, fuck me. Anyway, that's the COVID news, I think. Well, there is more, but... Time's watching on, and it's been, it's been a massive week for the globalists. World Economic Forum Forum Week <laughs> Forum <one. Four laughs> the Klaus Cla- Schwab Schwabtastic get together, but it's virtual this year, oh. for obvious oh. reasons. Yeah, it's gone online, and uh, I've got some vox pops here from DW. Who else? Deutsche Welle, and uh, here's what the locals think about
10: um, Davos going online. Davos hasn't been this quiet in decades. No signs of the usual hustle and bustle. Instead, a thick blanket of snow. The locals like it that way. I enjoy it. There are no gratings, there is little traffic. It is quiet, there's fewer guests. I would be happy to not have the WEF here anymore.
7: Everything is open, no security checks, a lot less people. Of course, I like it.
1: Yeah, they they essentially shut the town down. Mm. They stop all uh, public transport, the security checks. Because, you know, this is where all the richest, most influential people and politicians in the world meet once a year. To tell us yeah. how how you know how we're gonna implement the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial <laughs> Revolution and build back better and shut up slave and all the rest of it. <laughs> so <laughs> so you gotta keep the locals in check, haven't you? And it turns out the locals prefer it. Um that it's gone online. Good. But that won't do. That won't okay. do. Um The uh, that piece was leading into an interview with Adrian Monk, he's the managing director of the World Economic Forum. And uh, he was quizzed about this. It's quite hypocritical to have all these billionaires on private jets turn up at Davos mm. and then lecture every fucker else about climate change every year. <laughs> so um, the DW anchor sort of um, probed him.
2: Yes, it, it has been
9: on gently line. It's been without the the, the private jets and all the trappings of a usual Davos. <laughs> A greener Davos this year? Could this online WEF be here to stay?
1: His response is, is priceless. This is proper globalist. Shut up, you fucking filthy pig.
10: <laughs> Funnily enough, uh, you know, you say that, but actually, private jet traffic into Davos is no more than during uh, a busy week in Zurich art fair. Uh, in actual fact, emissions in Davos, the town, go down during Davos week so the air is cleaner, purer, and nicer.
1: That's because they shut the fucking town down. <laughs> they, don't, they don't allow buses and stuff. This fucking schmuck, this globalist pig.
10: <laughs> when we're in town, then when the locals are left to themselves with buses, cars, and everything running through the centre of their lovely uh, Alpine uh, town.
1: How dare you, you yes, fucking it. pigs! It- Fucking, this beautiful Alpine town and you fucking scum ruin it with your buses and your public transport and your cars. Hang on a minute. I thought we were supposed to get on the bus.
6: (laughs) I thought we were supposed to not use my car and go on the bus.
2: I'm so
9: confused now. Online, it's been without the... the, the... Oh my God. Yeah, I
1: thought I was um, saying... This guy has no soul as well. I mean, he didn't crack a smile through the entire interview. He was like seven it looked the psychopath. most, it did look like a psychopath, like just no emotion whatsoever. Well, it's, it's common, isn't it? It's that thing,
6: the, the psychopath test, basically, you know, what's the difference between a psychopath in prison and a psychopath running a, a fortune 500 company or a FTSE 100 company?
10: Yeah.
6: Normally one's rich and one's poor. Yeah.
1: Generally speaking. Yeah. I found his, his, uh, his thing, um, Pretty astounding. They yeah. should be grateful that we come here. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking slobs. It I mean, must be, yeah. Oh. I'm just going to move on because, um, as we mentioned before, climate is top of the agenda. Net, net zero by 2050 is what everyone's pushing. Yep. And there was a, a roundtable discussion. Dr. Belinda, Dr. Belinda <laughs> Gates was there. Mark Carney... Oh, Former gosh. um was he changing no Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs, Bank of Canada, Bank of England. Now he's UN Special Envoy on Climate. Oh, That's
2: right, his, okay. his
1: new role. So he's nuts deep in uh, climate change. <laughs> uh Bill Winters was there, he's the chief exec of Standard Charter. And this round table was all talking about climate offsets. So this is this new market that they're gonna produce out thin air. Where carbon is going to be taxed, your carbon footprint is going to be taxed. Companies' carbon footprints are going to be taxed, and this is going to create this new economic instrument to um, stop you from being able to burn fossil fuels. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's this redistribution of wealth sort of thing. But uh, to get to net zero by 2050, anyway, let's uh, let's hear from Dr. Bill. He talks about the uh, the pricing as it stands.
10: You know, as I went to do offsets for myself personally, uh, you know, long-term offsets, uh, the prices were about $400 a tonne, you know, that's very, very high. And everything we think of here, it's 51 billion tonnes of emissions, and so...
1: $400 a tonne, 50, what did you say, 51 billion emissions. 51 billion. Quit back of the uh, calculator (laughs) maths. That means a global market of $20.4 trillion per year <laughs> of this carbon market. Anyway. Nice. Yeah, it's good if you can get a piece of
10: it, isn't it? Mm. Everything has to be considered as a percentage of that. For a company that's an electric utility, a steel company, a cement company, any sort of industrial thing, uh, you, know, you, you see the increase in price uh, that they'd have to have uh, is still significant. So uh, innovation is going to be key to this as we do the carbon markets in parallel uh, with funding the, the innovation activities.
1: So part of the mechanism is, is that if you have a cement company that produces carbon, you have to trade that carbon with a company that doesn't produce carbon. You will, you will sell them your carbon footprint this is the marketplace the 20 trillion dollar marketplace that they're going to create hmm. and uh, bill winter's chief executive standard chartered the bank gives us uh, an insight out into how this will work on a global level
9: with at the at the
2: the carbon equation in the world uh, something like 90% of the of the uh, practical uh, nature based solutions the, the the target areas are sitting in developing markets Uh, Whereas on the flip side, something like 90% of of the natural offset buyers, at least so far, are coming in developed markets.
1: So the people selling the carbon are all in the West, developed countries. The people who are going to be buying it and using these solutions to offset their carbon are going to be in developing countries. That's the way the trade is going to work.
4: Uh, so we wanted to, to make sure that
9: we that, that we balance that out so that we really have the, the both sides of the market represented in, in the efforts as, as we get into uh to finalizing the uh the, the implementation plans to, to take
2: this framework and put it into reality uh some have said that this uh, that this will that the, the, the carbon offset market will relate to a result in a, a meaningful transfer of wealth from uh, from the developed to the developing economies uh, there's clearly some truth to that
4: too.
1: so they have it. it's Transition of wealth from developed countries to developing countries. And uh, China falls into the bracket of developing countries as well.
5: Uh, of course it does.
1: Yeah. So we're going to be selling our carbon to China. So next time you build your house, you need to have an RSJ. The carbon tax on that will go to the Chinese. So that's going to work? Uh, None of these fuckers are elected, by the way.
10: Let's go.
6: Is this actually going to happen then, this carbon tax thing?
1: It's on its way, baby. Climate <laughs> change. Climate change. We've got seven years now, haven't we, bo I can't afford it. <laughs> well, don't buy it then, you <laughs> fucking pig. <laughs> I we just, uh, These fuckers 40... don't care. They're billionaires. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. them.
5: Oh, really you
6: about to open a coal mine in Cumbria?
5: Yeah. <laughs> Under the sea. <laughs> Under
6: the sea. It's um, a special coal, though, isn't it? Um... Carbonless. Is it for making steel or something? Coke? Coke, Coke. coal? Coke coal? Coke cola? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just,
1: like, ridiculously polluting, isn't it, making anything, but, you know... I believe that um, some of the fossil fuel technologies have uh, have really come on, leaps and bounds, as far as um, pollution, like carbon capture and stuff. They, they have made strides. Oh, yeah. In the West, anyway. I don't know mm. what the Chinese coal plants are like. Well, you've got to be able to capture all that carbon so you can ship it over to the developing countries. <laughs> the,
6: to bury or whatever. <laughs>
1: Shall we? Uh, shall we hear from the World Economic Forum's newest member? Who's uh, this? Robert Downey Jr. Oh, uh, man.
5: Iron
7: Man. Uh, emissions have to go down. Robert, would you agree with that? And and what actions will you take with your coalition? And how will you decide your investments?
3: Well, uh, we took. A lot of time to kind of try to build up. The nice thing about about limited mobility is I was able to really get started.
1: I love that turn of phrase, "limited mobility." He calls it. Yeah. Lockdowns. Lockdowns. All right. The great thing about limited mobility, this is maybe this maybe he's been read in, and this is the new technology they'll start using for us in the next you know over the next five years. We're going into industries. We're going into a limited mobility period now till the spring.
3: Working on those uh, those ten thousand hours, I need to to be uh, to be capable of even uh, participating. But in, in talking this,
1: yeah, it was a fucking cringe fest. He's uh, he's headed up some new fund who's going to be investing in uh, green tech, and right. uh, yeah, they were just fawning all over him. It was uh, made me sick. I couldn't resist this one though.
7: And, Robert, inspiring the, the next generation to, to build back better, to be involved, <laughs> is that how you feel when you talk about democratising funds?
1: Yeah, you've got to get built back better in there. <laughs> mm. okay. um, I know what you're thinking. Why is he doing this? Money. Yeah.
7: Robert, can I ask you, you say that you, you know, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have imagined talking on this platform and talking to the president of the World Economic Forum. Where did the passion to make a difference come from? And when did it happen?
3: Well, interestingly enough,
1: it ain't interesting.
3: <laughs> um, it's, it's funny being able.
1: It's not funny either
3: able to play someone who needed technology to get themselves out of a cave where one of their own weapons had had you know given them shrapnel in their heart i mean i don't know what stan lee was thinking back in the 60s but it was a bit of a uh a time loop from the vietnam era to kind of where we had found ourselves now and i just i'm a i like studying deep on a subject this happened to be genre filmmaking but if you'd asked me, I was doing a biopic about a real person. So when that contract ran out, A, I had been asked to be a keynote speaker at the Remars um, uh, convention, and I had done a uh, a series for YouTube on AI. And when we got back and people said, you know, more people watched the first episode of that or, or with more listens or downloads, whatever you call it nowadays... Then, like Joe Rogan's biggest podcast, and I thought, oh, I humble brag. Think <laughs> I'm supposed
1: to lean into this? Have you heard of this? This AI series is done for YouTube. <laughs> no, I haven't fucking heard of it. What's he going on about? do Sales pattern. I think this is bigger yeah. than Joe Rogan. Nah, he's Iron Man. <laughs> do you know? I think he is becoming a parody of himself. I think, I he's... think he uh, is unfortunate,
5: but it does sound like he's he's just become his character. He's been playing. How long has he been playing Iron Man for?
1: Fifteen years, he said. There, it was a fifteen-year contract.
5: That's a long time.
1: Yeah. Weird. I think it's it's kind of he's become his character in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> the method actor. Yeah. Mm. God, yeah. that's weird. Yeah, but he's there. He's, he's a member.
5: He's a bit
1: of a member. Yeah, we uh, have, have a have a load of other stuff on the World Economic Forum that I will save till next week because <laughs> I had a bit of a deep dive and, uh, in looking to infiltrate the movement.
5: When's Klaus uh, Schwab coming on?
1: <laughs> it was um, that Bill Gates roundtable. That the um, the what do you call it? A moderator. The moderator of that discussion mm-hmm. was Nicole Nicole Schwab. Oh. <laughs> keep you in the family um, we, I think we have a new segment now I think it should be called Piers Morgan Skewer's Politicians uh-huh. oh and uh, this week's victim was Theresa Coffey
6: oh good hang on you've missed my producer credit then no i giving you one <laughs> fuck's <laughs> sake on. you're a Viscount remember <laughs> oh yeah I'm a, no I'm a Lord Inquisitor okay whatever
5: <laughs> for us having the worst death rate in the world, is because of the public. They're too old and they're too fat.
7: Um, I think that's a very insulting thing that you've just said. Uh, you just said uh, It is you just unconscious said it. that there's a variety of factors which will have led to people, sadly, uh, being ill during this time, sadly, uh, uh, that translating into deaths. I- I'm conscious that this is a very serious impact. Our own Prime Minister was in hospital intensive care himself, uh, last April, uh, I'm conscious that we are wanting to make sure we have a wraparound support. Sorry, what for did people, you find insulting? Have done out of interest,
2: what did you um, find insulting? Fears. You I said, you need said to point two out. reasons.
1: This is where the excuse she realizes she's uh, she's in shit. Yeah, you need an excuse. What excuse can you come up with? How do you get out of this situation?
5: Asteroid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, if it, you know, back in the old days of phone in before Zoom, they would say they were going through a tunnel or something, wouldn't
3: they?
10: i off a tunnel.
1: What would you come up with?
6: Well, I know what happens, so I can't... Okay, let's find out.
10: For the fact we have the worst... I point
7: out that you oh, I... started this in late. Unfortunately, I have to go to other broadcasters <laughs> okay. uh as okay. well.
1: Yeah, because she's so in demand, isn't she? Yeah. Teresa okay. Coffey. <laughs> can't is wait she? to get her. <laughs> <laughs> it's your, like, culture secretary, isn't it? It's something daft, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
7: Um, and I wish that we'd had more time when we were. Well, you can come back any time. We haven't but seen you. I appreciate you. that. I haven't interviewed you since May, so you
5: can come back any time. It was you that boycotted well, the programme. right? So please don't, play, ki- please don't play the. We... You haven't given me enough time card because we gave you eight well, months Piers, and you didn't turn up. Thank Let you me ask very you this.
7: much for this. It was due to start at I understand it. Uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity to kickstart it. the young people. I understand But I'm sorry, Piers, I'm going to have to go to another broadcast. I just wanted you just to clarify, given you said I. Given you said I was insulted, he is, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go. You're Thank going to go. You. You're not going to explain why you think I well, was the one insulted. Well, you've already had 20 minutes of my time. I appreciate your time as well. Thank you. Bye bye. Wow. Okay. Thank yeah. you, Miss Coffee.
1: <laughs> you want yeah. to see? Uh, you want to see Susanna Reid's face? So next to him. What is she doing? She's chewing her wasp. <laughs> yeah, just you can read her eyes, man. She. Uh, yeah, as soon as she starts, uh, Theresa starts backing off, saying uh, there's one thing she said, something about, you've already had t- for 20 minutes of my time or something, you can see her just turn like... <laughs> devil Daggers, absolute
6: daggers. Daggers, yeah. I mean, if she has been saying um, it's not the government's fault, it's because people are ill and fat... Um, is that what she was saying? Basically, I don't know what she got in trouble for. <laughs> I think it was that. Basically, I think she's been quoted as he. She didn't say that, but she's saying one of the reasons why we've had such a high death rate is because we have a lot of long term conditions and a lot of overweight people. I think is basically what she said.
1: <coughs> I mean, that's probably part of the reason. Mm. Metabolic health in general. I mean, the bigger yeah, the bigger. i have just stoned
5: it, man. She could have just said, "Yep." but fat, she can old sort yourselves out next I'm going to go to another broadcaster now they're fat and old so they're probably going to be dead in 15 seconds gotta go
6: that's the thing isn't it she can't uh, she can't say she can't slag off the electorate can she when it's just about you know it's only the fat and the old clinging to the power exactly but who votes the younger the thin yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not, though, is it? Is it not? No. Oh, shit. She fucked up then, didn't she? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh, dear. She actually closes her laptop as well. Nuclear. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
6: And, you know, uh, um, stones, glass houses, parks. Black. What, She's know, a little on the heavy side. Looking at her headshot. Ooh, fat shaming. Yeah. Well, she thing. she started it. <laughs> you know, lose. You know, she looked a little bit like she might be overweight herself.
5: Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I've not just googled through coffee BMI. <laughs> if, if I had, these images would also have come up. <laughs> Uh yeah. I right. Uh well I mean yeah. Let's see for the for the benefit of the uh, the viewers. Um oh, here's no. some here's some images. Some of them are of Theresa May and some of them <laughs> of, uh, of other people. Oh, it's a dancing
6: queen. <laughs> there she is, look at there. I mean, you know. Is that
5: her? what's
6: going uh, on? I I don't know. She's smoking it's a cigar. A
5: cigar,
6: yeah. Yeah, so you know what I mean. Lose a little bit of weight yourself before you call the people fat.
1: There oh, yeah. we Yeah. Oh, well. Um, uh, shall I play the Chuck Schumer clip? Has everyone heard it by now? Oh, what, sorry? Right, I guess not. You know, the, um, the orange man has to be impeached. Right, okay. Do you know what impeachment's used for? It's used to like, remove a sitting president from office. Yeah, so... yeah. That's so now that, now that he's out, they need to yeah. impeach him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Chuck Schumer is uh, one of the Democratic senators who's behind it. And uh, he was giving a statement to the House. Right, OK.
3: It will be a full trial. It will be a fair trial. But make no mistake, there will be a trial, and when that trial ends, senators will have to decide... If they believe Donald John, Donald John Trump incited the erection, insurrection against the United States, Donald John Trump incited the erection. Where?
1: <laughs> oh, no. how, do you, how do you get that wrong?
6: How do you mix up insurrection with erection? He's just having major lulls, isn't he? <laughs> Is that what what the kids say?
0: Yeah. Rolf Copter. Yeah. (laughs) He's having a Rolf Copter. Yeah. 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 It's
6: just a brain fart, isn't it? Yeah. He's He's probably just thinking about the hooker from last night, isn't he? Allegedly.
1: Yeah, snorting that coke off that (laughs) hooker's titty. Exactly, yeah. Chicky baby. Yeah, it sounds like it. He had an an erection-inspired... <laughs> Insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I've uh, I've found the the highlight of the TV year is soon to be broadcast. Good, excellent.
7: Nice I'm Ant Middleton. I've been trained in tactical questioning, and I'm going to use my skill set to interview my guest, Rebel Wilson. Tell me back to the first time you had issues with your weight. I wasn't loving myself in the way that I should. I was pretty lucky like two sexual harassment experiences now that I'm pregnant I'm not actually pregnant I just said that
6: only sexually harassed twice yeah who watches this fucking dross man it's our TV show it's not even his own podcast guy. oh my god
1: (laughs) I'm an expert at questioning people I'm going yeah. to use my expertise to question Rebel we'll be, Wilson. Would we'll <laughs> be more more interesting if you like waterboarded celebrities
6: <laughs> in, in in a battlefield scenario after they've been in a stress position listening to white noise for 14 hours. They only do that. That's
1: I'm a celebrity get me out of here. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, what a lot of fucking dross. <laughs> yeah. They'll still commission anything these days, won't they?
5: Yeah. What are you look out, Ben. I've uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing. I've
1: some. gone down a tree
5: coffee wormhole. Yeah, I have, and it's a glorious wormhole. What have you got? I'll uh, I'll post it on uh, Instagram. Okay. Just a new a new logo for us.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Check-out, check-out. Hey. To, uh, do you want to add anything?
6: I know. Praise Jablan.
1: You're
5: bad bear.
6: Yeah. Go what green. Clicking. <laughs> is, that, is that me clicking?
5: Yeah. yeah. Excellent.
1: Right. Should we sign off then? Yes. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I had to rattle through all that stuff. I'm. I've been trying to not do as much. Get as much stuff for the after show but it's just a bumper week this week with the World Economic Forum I could have done another hour yeah but time is finite resource yeah he's a
7: homophobe and he's a misogynist
1: yeah Uh, Tobias Whalen next week gonna be talking about all things 14 cryptids UFOs oh right okay. all the rest of it should be great yeah, Tobias has been on Conspiranormal yeah. as a as an excellent researcher. So, can't wait for that. Should be a, a treat. A treat. Yeah, make sure you join us. Come back next week. Build back better. Build back way. better. It really bothers me. Sign Fucking
3: oh. vegan. Donald John Trump incited the erection. You're Semites. Yeah,
7: Mr. Peter Burn! Like a Judgment Day and Terminating. You look like.
3: Jesus Christ.
10: What on earth?